What is happening? Like this? No, this isn't me. I'm not me. I can't. friends welcome to another episode of the modern punk podcast i'm seb mckay and this week i am delighted to be joined by steve and seb from confessions of a traitor these guys are a whole lot of fun we talk about dad dancing touring in belarus one of their band members getting robbed by a prostitute while he wasn't soliciting anything and just a whole lot of other crazy fun stuff i found out a little while ago that EU law around music copyright is changing for uses in podcasts, uh, so that's meaning that we have to stop playing tracks from bands on the show very, very shortly, uh, but we're getting a nice little stinger made up for the podcast itself, so things might be a little bit different in a couple of weeks, but hopefully it won't be too much different. And like someone told me, you can always just jump on to Spotify or Apple Music, review this to music, and play a track from the band anyway. So it should be all good. But before we deal with that, I mean, let's get into this conversation with Confessions of a Traitor. They've got a new EP, which is out now. It came out earlier in the month, and you should absolutely check it out. Like I say, like you already know, you can stream it. It's very, very good. The guys are super cool. I think if you love this show, you're definitely going to love this EP. So get on that. Uh, we'll do it after the show. Do it after I've chatted with Steve and Seb. I think you're going to have a really good time with this one. I know I certainly did recording it. So, without any more fucking about, here's my conversation with Confessions of a Traitor. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, stretching after a, a long day sat in the same chair. <laughs> yeah, I know what that's like. Hey, Seb, how's it going? Hey. Uh, yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Sorry I'm a bit late. No, it's, it's all good. It's all good. We were just um, doing our chair stretches. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. My back is in absolute tatters. My, um, my quote-unquote office chair broke, and now I'm using a... Um, a garden chair you'll you'll see i'm excited yeah oh that sucks <laughs> and i'm sat on a pillow yeah that sounds brutal are you fr- no, you're not frozen Sid. you're just like sitting like a gargoyle and i was like is he frozen so i just put my out of office on because now i'm on 11 <laughs> days nice 11 days off so oh nice 11 days off well that, that's including the weekends of the bank holiday so it just sounds better doesn't it 11 days because it's technically is. Have you booked a week off, have you said? Uh, yeah, me and my friends were going to St. Ives for for a week. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You did say that, actually. Yeah, so we're going, uh, we're going tomorrow afternoon and then back following Friday. Party up in here. Well, 
Well, I mean, there's not really much to go and party in St Ives, but um, we hey. just—it's a bit more of a chill, sort of a chill drinking week, doing some activity stuff. So yeah, we're good. Seb, yes. we both know that you bring the party, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell me more. <laughs> Uh, Seb, Seb is uh, an absolutely prolific dad dancer. Like it is, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I don't know if you want to save this for the actual recording later. Oh, I on. do. Oh no, uh, I do. This uh, is going. It, yeah. Well, he's. I, I give you a, a quick rundown. We were in Belarus, um, and we just. Is it? Was it Architects? Oh no, it was Caliban. Caliban. Yeah, the first time. And yeah. yeah. It was, we finished the show and our driver was like, oh, um, the drive's not too long, so you can kind of stay here for a bit if you want. And the, the the owner of the venue was like, oh, it turns into a club afterwards. And we were like, okay, it's our first time in Belarus. We're in Minsk, why not? Yeah. But he didn't tell us it turned into like an Eastern European Euro hard, like trance pop night. Yeah, right. <laughs> And he was like, yeah, yeah, we'll sort you out with all these like drinks and food. And we're like, all right, cool. Never been, never been here before. This is mad. We're completely on our own. And then two beers in, we're like, where's Seb gone? And we looked down from our uh, our perch and he's absolutely trashed. Just <laughs> shift in the middle of the dance floor with this kind of like, harem of like women around him kind of looking at him like bizarrely as he's just kind of like in his own world just shifted away it's incredible <laughs> it's incredible i don't think i've laughed so hard in a long time yeah because we um i think the, the whole gig was over probably a normal gig time at 11 11 o'clock so everyone left the venue and there was just only a few people milling about um, we were getting picked up at I think it was six a.m. So that's right. It yeah. was a long, a long evening with uh, not really sitting down, just having shots all night. So what what was it like for you on the dance floor, being surrounded by all these people as you were kind of busting those moves? Uh, I think I was just focusing on the moves. I wasn't bothered about anyone else. <laughs> I think Nothing. there is a video that does exist with someone just zooming in slowly on me and then I realised very late on that they are filming me so I just give them a little wave and then carry on. <laughs> it's just cracked up. I forgot about that actually. Yeah. So you almost became a meme, is that the... Uh, I think that was one of the talks of the tour um, and then it only comes up when we talk about funny tour stories. What? I mean, a lot of a lot of mad stuff happened on that tour. It was just yeah. it's just a hype like Seb's Seb's what we would call straight laced. He's very stiff upper lip British man, like <laughs> dr like <laughs> enjoys a good bit of Downton Abbey on tour, and um, uh, you know we'll we'll be in bed first with a with a nice cup of like warm warm lemon water. Whereas the rest of them will be like out hard. Um, yeah, you're a bit sensible, aren't you, Seb? Uh, well, <laughs> I think I am more now because the rest of you aren't. So I have, I have to like be even more so, especially when we're on tour. So yeah, level it out a little bit. Do you tour manage the band, Seb? Uh, I mean, not, no, I mean, we don't have a specific person. I think uh, when, so our old guitarist, Dom, he was he was the main 
person that would liaise with driver and venue people. Um, but since he's gone, I think it's we sort of take it in turns, me, Steve, and Jacob, really. Um, it I, it I tends to fit you on. Sorry. I was going to say, it probably depends on who's the least tired when we get to a venue. <laughs> I was going to say, it depends on who's not having a mental breakdown that day. When we roll up to uh, we roll up to the site and someone's in in the back of the van going, I can't handle it today. Yeah. I, just, I can't do this today. And you're like, I got this, mate. Don't worry about it. Uh, the reason I was asking is because um, Jeremy from the Devil West Prada, he strikes me as quite a sensible guy, and he's just taken over tour tour managing their band. So I thought there might have been a a connection there, but there's not. So let's talk about mental breakdowns. <laughs> <laughs> do they happen often? Do they? I mean, there's there's everyone has a day there's a day on tour where you kind of look at the person you're like what we'll just leave you to it today and it'll generally be the tears kind of rolling down the side of the cheek or the the kind of nervous twitch um due to lack of sleep and frustration that you can kind of sense it but i think everyone has the has their moment when you're very far away from home cold hungry hot exhausted it just it just tends to happen doesn't it yeah yeah so my my first tour with the band was the 21 day straight tour where I set my friends on fire around Europe so for me that was the first time I'd been away playing with a band the longest amount of shows in a row having to live out of that um, as of a van which was the first time I'd done that um, I'd only we'd only had three practices as a band together before we even went on that tour, so I didn't really know the guys too well either. Um, and I, I think I broke quite further in than I thought. It was in like Czech Republic, and I had to go, I had to just come out of the venue and go around the corner and just stood there thinking, "What am I? What what am I? What's going on?" <laughs> I, I said to Dom, and I was like, "I." I think Seb hates us. I also think Seb hates music. Like <laughs> we're 11 days in and he genuinely just had this vacant stare across his eyes. I was like, I think what the most amount of shows you've done in a row was two or three. Yeah. I've only, and they've only been local, local to where I live really. So to, yeah, um, to be driving that far as well, cramped up in the van is an experience in itself. Um, yeah, that one will always stick in my memory. I, I do want to do that tour again now. Uh, in the same yeah, in the same mindset as I have now, but and in a bus. Yeah, but go back to doing it because I think it'd be a lot better. <laughs> so set the scene for me a bit, because I've so I've missed all of the cool touring stuff because of you know the thing going on. Um, when you're playing shows in Europe, are you playing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturdays? Are you playing Thursday through Saturday? Like, what are the, you know, is it like the States where you can play every day of the week or are there better days than others? Yeah, I mean, like, you'll you'll generally try to maximise your time and you'll go back to back as much as you can because it's nice to, to have that to look forward to and... Um, our booking agents and things like that will 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 look to hit specific cities in a row but there'll obviously be like major nights so like thursday friday saturdays tend to be really really obviously really big nights 
Um, but it is nice to have like a day off every now and again. Um, there isn't a whole a whole pattern to it because some countries that you go to, you think, oh, it's a Tuesday night, no one's going to turn up, and the whole place is completely sold out. And you're like, oh, okay, this is this is interesting. Maybe it's a, it's a little bit different over here. So, yeah, there's there doesn't seem to be. It's not like the UK. Let's put it like that. The moment it hits a Sunday or a Monday night, everyone just goes, got work in the morning, can't be bothered. Whereas like we'll be in like the depths of Italy somewhere and it'll be a Sunday Sunday evening and the place will be absolutely heaving. So yeah, it, I think it just depends. So I'm from New Zealand originally. So we would often have, like if we had a band come on a Wednesday or whatever, people would show up because we didn't really, I mean, I'm going to paint us as like a backwards nation. Um, but, you know, in terms of touring bands and stuff, you, you would get a band that you liked every three years, right? Because they come once an album cycle. And it's, at the UK has so much good music going on, like gen, generally, I mean, other than, you know, and, and there's, it's, there's so much opportunity. I, does it almost feel like when you play here, people are like, there are a million things I could be doing tonight, fucking impress me. I just want to say, I'll come back to it, but I used to live in New Zealand. <laughs> so I know that I know the feeling of not having live music. Um, I didn't I, used to live there, just yeah. <laughs> no, get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I live about 20 minutes away from Camden. Like I can nice. just jump on a tube. And I remember, I think it was a Thursday night and I, I was like, what's going on? And you had... 36 Crazy Fists headlining the um, Underworld. You had Suicide Silence at the Coco at Camden. You had Protest the Hero at the Electric Ballroom. And then the Amity Affliction were playing um, the Roundhouse. And that, that strip... That? Exactly. What kind of sadistic fuck booked all those bands <laughs> on one Yeah. <laughs> so I remember being like, what... I kind of like all these bands to be fair like which one do I want to go to um and you kind of like I feel like in London super spoilt for choice absolutely spoiled for choice and you're a victim of oh, I'm tired tonight I'll go the next time they're here because you know they're going to come so and I know that that's incredibly frustrating for people who live in quite regional areas but there's so many good bands that come to England and London specifically. And that, that strip that I was talking about is about a mile long. You can walk five minutes between each club. So completely sport for choice. And uh, yeah, I wholly agree with you that the, the, the London scene specifically is phenomenal. Whereas then I guess you go and play the depths of Italy and they have it kind of like I'm used to where no one really comes up. It's Tuesday night and there's something to do. They get out there, right? I mean, it's it's interesting. There are some like there are obviously like hot spots around Europe where <clears throat> um, bands go to quite a lot, and there's there's a bit of weird touring politics where Italy is quite difficult to to get to sometimes because they have quite a unique um, like taxing method for your your vans, um, and you have to. Uh, the name escapes me, Seb. Do you remember what they're called? Um, car uh, carnets. Carnets. Yeah. yeah. I mean... And you have to buy a carnet for the road that you're going on. Now, how far you go down that road 
uh, states how much money you pay. So you don't really know how much you're going to pay by the end of it. Um, so you could do one or two junctions and it costs you five or six euro, or you could do 18, 19 junctions and it costs you 75 euro. And you're, you get really stung by it sometimes. But every road in Europe tends to have that carne system, uh, especially when you head a little bit further east. Um, so it makes touring for smaller upcoming bands very difficult for budgeting um, in that kind of region. So, yeah, Italy, when, when we go to Italy, they report quite a lot. They're like, not a lot of bands come here. So they have to jump out from Italy into like France and Germany and stuff like that. And Germany's got a really, really like vibrant music scene, especially for like hardcore and metalcore. Yeah. So when you're playing those shows, I mean, what am I sure? Like, and you, cause you mentioned before about, you know, it's harder for upcoming bands to tour when you've got the carne system and, and all of that. Obviously that whole, um, thing that we gently call Brexit is going to have a massive impact on bands um, and you know there's been some stuff in and out of parliament and all that and you look like you're setting yourself up for a rage there Steve so I'll get the, I'll get to the end of this question well, yeah. but are, are you guys thinking about how that impacts you like is that does that feel insurmountable I'll let Seb chime in before I I, I perk up too much I think Putting all of our personal thoughts on it aside, just from a band, band point of view, it's we are um, submitting for festivals and looking, for, you know, our managers being active with um, touring like worldwide. Um, but it's very unlikely that we're going to see anything for probably another year. Um, I know there's there's been a lot of um, a lot of tours being announced for the end of this year. I really don't think they're going to happen. If they do, then amazing. But again, for smaller bands, it's going to be even more difficult to get on to the bigger tours because all the bigger bands are going to want to be the focus because they haven't toured either. So the smaller bands are just going to be doing just small pub, pub runs probably. Um, be a Brexit side, that's just going to cost so much and it wasn't cheap before so now it's going to be double the amount and um, what with visas or maybe every country in Europe has to have a visa coming from England who knows really yet what's happened so until we know more detail we're not really we haven't really spoken about it too much as such we're just trying to get us onto as many things as we can deal with it when we deal when it comes to it yeah it's, it seems to be it's one of our, our our sort of mantras like accept and then worry about how we get there uh, later afterwards so like brexit has definitely thrown a, a sort of spanner in the works like the i say the only saving grace that i have is that i'm actually irish so i've got an irish passport but we always as we that when it comes to paying for things we always pay for things as a group so it's not going to be like bye guys you have to try and sort out your visa and i'm just going to saunter through with my irish just meet you at the venue. yeah yeah <laughs> the, you, they only need me anyway at a backing track so that no um it's going to be like there's so much up in the air at the moment 
we have no idea whether it'll be country by country visa and we're you know the best case scenario would be a european visa and you kind of go here you go you can go to x amount of countries for 30 days um but it will it'll it'll hamper a lot of younger bands coming through who who aren't established or who you know have to like pay for it themselves and fund their van and get their driver or drive themselves or whatever that may be it's gonna like it's just an added cost and like if you imagine you know whatever a visa looks like if for example when we go to russia it's roughly anywhere between 250 to 500 per person and then if you know i don't know if that will reflect on what happens in europe but if you add that sort of rough cost into it and then think right if i hit the carne system in in italy you could get slammed with an 80 90 euro road charge like it's just nonsensical bands are like bands don't make any money anyway and you always make a like next to always make a loss on tour especially as a smaller band so i don't know like i really don't know how it's going to affect affect us or what it's going to do I feel like it's interesting for me, you know, because I'm used to that idea that if you want to be in a band and you want to make it, you have to pack up everything you own, fly 15 hours to America, get a visa, tour your ass off for as long as you can, and then go home. Like, it's always been a big thing, right? Because you can play New Zealand in a week, essentially. You know, you hit the four major cities and that's it, you're done. Um, And yet, obviously, people can play Australia, but Australia is so much like Canada. And that there are cities and then just days in between them, you know? So it's like, it costs a lot. You don't see a lot of people and all that kind of thing. And with the UK, it's odd for me because there's this, it used to be this kind of big open like European touring circuit. Um, But now there's not. And it's like, can you just play the UK endlessly? You know, can you, can you sort of go from the bottom of England to the top of Scotland and up and down, up and down, or do bands need to start thinking like, what's the biggest, most sensible move that we can make? You know, is that getting press people in the US? Is it trying to get on tours there? Even though that still costs a shitload of money. Yeah, you, you start to see actually, and I, I don't know if, if you've noticed this, but quite a few bands actually skip out England. Uh, quite a few bands from the States as well. Like, you know, I think um, uh, the last really notable one that I remember was As Are They Dying? Um, completely skipped off the UK and like huge as I dying fan and I was really excited and I, I couldn't go because like all the dates were in Europe and you start to see it more and more often or they just do one date and that'll be download festival and then they're like right I'm off off to Europe and it's it's kind of frustrating but when a band does come over they'll do like Glasgow Newcastle Manchester um, and then work their way down the country and you can at those sort of dates so they'll do like six or seven really big dates so like but that'll be you're like a day to remembers and your parkway drives and stuff like that that will pull those numbers so I guess like the UK is really interesting like if you want to do a run you can do a really really good run because the some of the cities are fantastic but it costs a lot and you know from our friends who we've toured with who've come over they're like no one really buys much merch and doesn't really invest in the bands and stuff like that so they prefer going to europe where the where the fans are a little bit more passionate whereas 
you know, I think we know from playing the underground scene in the UK, like there are some real pockets of like passion, real pockets of passion, especially mm. like in London in the north. Like they absolutely love it. I was talking to um, Devil Wears Prada about a similar kind of thing. And it, it's that point, I think, where you stop being a band and you start being a business, right? And you've got to make those decisions based on how many T-shirts are we selling? Like, what's our guarantee? Like, is it worth playing Manchester or is it not? I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions. Well, I think our our, our ethos and our mantra has always been if, if somebody enjoys the show, it's been a good good show and as long as we like enjoy it ourselves so we don't look at things and think oh we'll make money off that like it's it's not about making money for us it's about enjoying what we do and making it work around our lives and you know if we can make it our lives like 100 percent like who wouldn't want to be an international touring musician for the rest of their life? That sounds like an amazing thing, but you know, it's becoming more and more infrequent. And you, you look at some of the bigger bands and you think, Oh yeah, you do that full time. And then you find out actually they're, they've got a full-time job. You're like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just really, really quite a brutal fact about, about, about hardcore music at the moment. On the flip side to that, um, because we want to be, producing more no, new merch, new songs, uh, going to new places, we do have to have the element more so now. Now we've got um, full-time manager since about August last year. Um, before that, we were just doing everything ourselves. So now he's on board. There's the element, more of an element of making sure we do try and break even a bit. Uh, maybe before we just thought, oh, we want to go and play this place, this place, and then we just worry about the money afterwards. But more so now, it's how do we, how can we fund the band more from the band's money as such, like putting less of our own in. That's that's the idea. Is because um, if all five of us only get paid a certain amount a month, if stuff just keeps getting uh, more expensive every month, then it's just not going to be feasible so we have to think about it a bit more now i think the 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 mantra is how do we not financially cripple ourselves while still being able to do what we want to do yeah. and with, you know without trying to like be depressing and bring the mood down do you have in your minds what that break point is where you go you know what the band's costing too much money fuck it i'm just gonna do a tiktok i don't know <laughs> i don't i don't know what people do these days <laughs> no not really like I think we've gone through quite a unique time, obviously, with what, everything that's going on at the moment, where we've not been able to play a show for best part of 18 months. And we've we've just been like, like doing bits of recording and releasing an EP. And I just think that we've utilised our time well throughout this period. And we're going to have to see what it, it, the... Um, the nature of the the scene is going to be like when we come back but there is like we really enjoy what we do and if that if that makes us full-time musicians amazing if it doesn't it's still amazing because we really really enjoy what we do and i think the five of us are so close and we have so much fun together that even if it's not a full-time job and we get you know we keep going going the way we are with the tours that we do and the people that we support and things like that i can look back and think 
man, I had a, an amazing time and I, you know, I met some amazing people along the way. And that for me, like, as you can see, I'm already smiling, thinking about like cramming into our little um, VW, uh, sorry, our, our Mercedes Sprinter on our bunks, lying in an ice cold van, minus 17 degrees on the borders of Kiev. But, but you know, that, <laughs> those are memories that will stick with you forever. And I think that's what we really enjoy. You were saying that you've obviously been busy over the past little while with the EP and all of that. How do you, um, Christ, I just about said set you up for success. I hate working a corporate job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how, like, but how do you build on that momentum with this sort of gray fog? It's, you know, the sort of are we, aren't we that we're facing at the moment? Is there, a, is there a plan there or do you just kind of have to throw it over the fence and hope for the best? Seb, do you want to... Yeah, um, so I guess, so yeah, we have been, it has been very productive and I guess there was, like, we didn't, um, we didn't start thinking from day one of lockdown, right, we've, we need to start writing. It was, it was, a, you know, it was a little bit of time into it before we said this might this might be going on for ages. Let's just write because we're all, in, all you know, all inside anyway, um, and just see what happens. Whether we write ten songs and they're all bad, or or, or vice versa. Um, so yeah, luckily that was what we decided to do, and we've written five great, not five, sorry, four, because uh, the fifth one's a cover. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, four four great songs, and off the back of that, it's. Our next album, album's worth of material is is even better than that stuff. So it's just a a very promising uh, another foundation layer of promising um, material to go off. Hopefully, we can then go off and be signed from it. You know, that's that's our next main thing that our manager Greg's doing is. Um, Submitting us to labels, um, just seeing what happens. But yeah, like like I say, everyone's going to be trying to get label support at the moment, um, big tours. So it's just going to be even harder to try and get noticed. Yeah, I think it's it's one of these things where we, we released our album Guided at the end of 2019, and we sat there and we were like, cool this is going to be a platform for us to tour off for the next year, 18 months, whilst we like record and so write and record new material. And we were super jazzed about it. And like, we had a really good reception from it. Like for a, for a, for a debut, we were, we, we weren't, I mean, yeah, we weren't expecting much, but we were like hoping that it would land well and we sort of garner a bit more respect. And then obviously lockdowns and I remember sitting there within the first couple of weeks being like I well we're not going to play a show this year so I'm just going to start sort of typing things out and start writing some lyrics and I I called up Jack and I said you, you know you're sat at home not doing much let's let's kick things off because we could sit and wallow and be sad about things or we can be super productive and I think with with very little expectation we just started like working really hard the five of us and just kind of like churning and churning and churning and communicating regularly 
I think a big boost for us was was taking on our like I said like uh, like Seb said sorry like we've had management in the past and it's been great but I think Greg from BMG's kicked us into another gear where he's taken on board so much of the 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 the, the boring admin stuff that really like weighs you down on on a day-to-day basis that we can actually focus on what we really want to do which is write and play music so it's allowed us to kind of go well somebody is working on that so we don't need to worry about that let's worry about the creative stuff and then we just i think it was me it was like let's just chuck this out there as a bit of an experiment see how it lands and it's like yeah i'm really like said said really proud of what we've we've done in in this little lockdown and bear in mind it's it's all been completely engineered by our guitarist and it's his first ever engineering job he did all the guitars all the vocals uh and then we just sent it off to be mixed so, you mean, sorry yeah go on no no, no i was just going to pile in because you said something that i found super interesting from a geeky lyric writing perspective because you said when you, you write you just sit down and start typing stuff out and yeah. i'm always curious about like when people made the switch if from writing stuff down on a pad to like thinking it through better when they type stuff out like i'm a i can't hand write for shit and so i'll write something and the next day i have no fucking idea what it says so i have to type stuff out yeah so i am absolutely prolifically dyslexic not not only is my spelling horrific but my handwriting is shocking so i've got notes in front of me now from work and i'm like yeah, I've got no idea what that says. So like I I got I've got like notes on my phone that I, like when I'm out and about that I get a bit of inspiration, I'll just chuck stuff down. So I, I work really well off like sheets and word and just jotting stuff down because it allows me to kind of move stuff around and be like, oh that that goes well there, or rather than handwriting it all out and then rehandwriting it out, I can drag and drop. So I find it really easy from like a a quick flow perspective of, of being able to do that and also just being able to record like you're you're like there and you're like bah, 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 but like you come up with a little pattern or seb's hilarious because he's <laughs> you'll get loads of little voice notes from him and he'll have the the laptop in the background and they'll be humming a melody over the top and he's got you got any lyrics for this and he'll be like which is quite good but yeah i i just i'm always writing stuff down I'm always tapping stuff out wherever I am. If I hear a quote in a film or I read a line in a game or, or something like that, oh, that's really interesting. Like that's like, I want to look at that a little bit more. When you, when you write a song, you write lyrics, you're like, this is what I want it to be about. You know, it might be about you taking a shit. It doesn't really matter. But how, how many um, iterations do you usually go through before you're like, yes, this is perfect. Like, can you smash it out and be like, I love this. Or do you have to sort of do it like 20 times? And then finally you go, this is great. I will go through hundreds of iterations of lyrics. Um, and do you know what? The first time I write something down, I'm there like, I am a wizard. Like, I am an, like, I'm a G, like no one's ever written something this fantastic before ever. <laughs> like the, the, you know, the next William Shakespeare of hardcore, like I've, I've nailed it. Was it was a William Shakespeare of hardcore? Well, Exactly. <laughs> this your boy here um and then i come back to it 24 hours later i'm like what was i waffling on about like this is absolute tripe so i 
yeah, I go through a lot of iterations and it, it, it tends to be because I think in my head at the time, like I've got this I, a vision and idea of like, oh yeah, I'm super edgy. I'm super cool. And I come back and I'm like, no, mate, like, and then it'll, it'll be a couple of iterations and then I'll ping it across to the guys be like, what do you think of this theme? This is what I'm vibing at the moment for this song. And then they'll be like, oh, actually, that's really intriguing. Um, I need to hear the flow. And um, I tend to talk the lyrics over the top of the song so that the guys can get the patterns right first. So there's a lot of me being like, like, like Seb's recordings, but with like a genuinely good microphone and everything like that. Yeah. So it's, it's quite an interesting little way, like, the last time I recorded vocals in my living room, uh, the police were called because they thought there was domestic abuse going on. <laughs> and they saw me and um, Jacob, our guitarist, kind of stood in the living room like two burly men at six foot two and six foot three with beards. And they were like, yeah, nothing, nothing's going on here. It's all right. <laughs> is, is the hardest part for you figuring out what you want to say or finding like the right words you know, because, you know, when you do a first draft and you just kind of mm. write down whatever comes out, right? So is it like, I've got to get the message right or find the right words to fit? I, for me, it's always the message. Like, I want to, like, I want to say things in the correct way. Um, I, the, you know, you listen to a lot of music and you you hear quite cliche lines in there because you know, it, you know, it sounds good. Like, oh, you, you said that because it sounds good. Yeah, it does. It sounds wicked and I will continue to listen to it, but that's why you said it. Um, I tend to, like the, the boys tend to have to scale me back quite a bit. They're like, really like what you're going for, but there's so much here and it ends up being stripped out because I'm like, no, I'm trying to tell this story. I'm trying to tell, like, there's there's a lot of like, Seb's nodding away. He's like, yeah, he's looked at my lyrics before and it's like a, a cat, like it's just enormous. And they're like, like, you're not going to be able to get it all in. I'm like, look at the patterning here. So he wasn't writing lyrics; he was writing a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's great because it reigns me in. Like having all of my like solid ideas down, and then kind of going, "What do you think?" And then they're like, "Oh, this is really good." Take away these words. Take away these words. Take away these words. Is there a way you could make that flow, but reducing that? And it it, it it's that kind of like story that I want to tell, but with the influence of the guys being like, like, let's make it sound more cohesive and sound more like a song rather than a, a novel. Sip, what's that like from your perspective when you get something across and you go, okay, I know he's worked super hard on this, but it's five verses too long and I've got to get him to cut it back. Like, do you, do you sort of go in with like a virtual red pen and, you know, scratch stuff out and circle it, or how how does that side of it work? Um, I think when Steve comes to us with with lyrics, because we haven't seen each other for a good amount of time, um, especially obviously now, so there'll be so much to go th go through on his phone when we do meet. Um, it's normally quite a lot, so we'll just focus on if Steve has this specific set of lyrics is designed for this song so we'll, we'll we'll just focus on that and if there's just lyrics for no you know not for a specific song then i think the first thing i'd like I, I normally like to do is try and match it with the song or has um does those lyrics have are those lyrics telling the same type of story as this song sounds 
right? Do you see what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very blunt as it is. So I don't really don't mind telling Steve why there why there this many words here. You need to delete those, uh, all that. So I've got no worries in doing that. Yeah. And Steve is a very positive person and takes it takes it in his stride, and he doesn't mind. It's, it's, it's not trying to break up the band or anything like yeah, yeah. <laughs> driving a wedge like how do you wind it up <laughs> yeah yeah it's just it's it's super interesting to me because i'm like that there's that some bands are super collaborative like you guys right and then others aren't and you know the the lead guy or the bassist or whoever will go away and write the songs and then come back and be like play these you know eg motley crew right yeah even though um like Steve and Jacob can't play drums, for example. Um, they, you know, we. St I still want both of them and the other other guys to have their input, even if they're just saying, "Oh, that sounds cool." That's that's fine for me because I know that when those two guys listen to music, they're not listening to the drums. So I I turn that yeah, that's cool into a bit more of a what will the drummer think about this specific part and vice versa i can't really play guitar um so when riff, i've what got one riff on guitar and it's, it's, it's going to come into a song one day um and and jack loves it because he knows that it's not good <laughs> it's, it's horrendous um, so yeah jack will do the same type of thing like all of us will ask for each other's opinion because that's how we've always done things and that's how we'll always continue to do things because it goes alongside we get on so well as people outside of a band but i always say to steve that if we weren't in the band we would never have been friends or met because we're just so different but we work so well together <laughs> was, uh, this is like on the way back after a really productive weekend he just turns around i don't think we'd be friends if we weren't in a band like, and i was like <laughs> Oh, cool, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I love you too, man. <laughs> but that, that's the kind of like relationship that we have is like, we can be super honest with each other. And, uh, you know, the, we know it's not um, offensive to anyone to be like, no, I really don't like that. I think that we could change that. Uh, you know, this is, like I said, it's just my opinion. I'm not really vibing that bit. Can we think of something else that will go there? And we work very much as a democracy, like, all of us would be like, right, how do we feel? If it's not like a unanimous, yeah, then we're like, okay, well, let's change it then. Let's have a, let's have a little bit of a look at it and, and see how we can alter it. But I think if kind of harking back to the lyric stuff, like Seb and I were doing some lyric writing the other, the other day and um, I gave him, he was like, oh, let me go away and think about like a melody for these, for these lyrics. And he pulled the lyrics apart and he put them into different, like kind of lines and he came back and he had a really nice melody but the lyrics made no sense and I, I, I he was like I was like I really like the melody but contextually and this is where like I my my side of the lyric writing come from contextually I would not be happy singing that because it it doesn't mean anything it has no clarity it's no clout and clarity behind the song and would just be nonsense and it was quite, it was quite a funny little interchange that we had around it. And I, and I said, but it's like, like Seb said, it's like, I wouldn't be able to 
comment really on on drums and the technique of a drum because I, I don't play drums but i can be like yeah that kind of sounds cool like chuck a fill in there or you know jazz up the drums there a little bit and he's like oh no no it doesn't really suit and like i'd always kind of you know take his his advice on board as a, as a drummer and like kind of let him do it but i think the five of us just work so well as a as, as a group getting things together there's more fun and when we do it like there's all five of us like, oh yeah we've worked on that not somebody's just come come in and gone here are all the songs let's record it mm. i know that works for some people and that's fine but it's not how we do it yeah yeah and um, just one thing to add sorry there's because we've all got the same end goal and one of the main end goals is we love to play live firstly and we love to play live together so when we're all in the room going yeah that's sick we know that we're going to have that same feeling when we hear it again on stage so that's why we're picky because we want every song to just be yeah like dirty or whatever it is yeah so Seb, I, I get how you pull lyrics together. Like that's that's the way my brain works. Things like melodies blow my fucking mind. You know, the fact that people can pick up drums or guitars and come up with something that hasn't been come up with before is just like, what in the fuck? Can you talk me through that a bit? Like what's your melody sort of coming up with process? That's a fuck, that's a shit way to phrase that question. It is shit, but I know exactly what you mean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see what i mean about seb not pulling any punches like so so yeah means me and steve are the opposite so i will just come up with words that fit my melody uh steve will just write the words so then we we come together so i bring the melody and steve brings the lyrics um i don't know i mean as much as i've been playing drums since I started, yeah, since I started secondary school. Um, I've always had, I've always enjoyed also lis listening to like chorus melodies and bands I like and um, just fiddling about on a keyboard app on my iPad, just making up something. Um, I've, I think I've, more so with the new songs we've written, hopefully more future ones that we've done a lot more um, collaboration with my melodies and, and putting them to Steve's lyrics, whereas the, the last sort of songs, um, like with the Guided album, I, I think I was just focusing on drums and that was, I wasn't really dabbling in anything else, but I've, I've really enjoyed doing the melody side of things. Um, but yeah, you said about people making up something brand new. Uh, that that blows my mind too. Um, and when when Jack comes to us with a new song, you think it sounds so simple, but like nothing else I've ever heard before. So same with drums. There's a lot of um, like I always tr even live. I'll I'll play the same song different every time we play live because. It's more from my point of view of I want to make it interesting for myself as much as an, uh, an element of showing off a bit as well because um, I'll make it a bit more flashy or, or showy in live but I just want to keep things a bit fresh and then that will something I'll, I'll try and remember something that I've played differently tweak it maybe I'll 
use my little iPad drum app and just record that for, a, you know, I might never use it, I might use it next week. So it's all, oh yeah, I guess one of the most important things I've learned is you need to just record everything you uh, come up with, like a lot of the things I'll just go on a walk after work or in lunch. Um, and normally you can't hear my, I'm just got that with my phone, you could normally can't hear it because of the wind. Um, but I'll just be whistling a melody that I've just thought of. Um, and then by the by the time my walk comes to an end, I'll have this, I've started with that same melody, but it's changed a bit. So I'll record, record it again. Um, but yeah, I guess I just enjoy, enjoy the melody style of stuff. I, I do have to admit though, like when we're playing live and Seb changes up a drum beat, like half the time my mind is absolutely blown that I, I miss a line. Because I, I like it, it's, it's from the fact that, oh my God, that drum beat is so sick. Oh God, I've got to be singing. Um, but like, like he's like, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, blow smoke up his ass or anything, but like he's a really talented drummer. And we did some live, um, uh, live stream festivals over the summer. And he was just doing the, the verses for one of, uh, I think it was Don't Make a Girl a Promise. And he changed the drum beat. And I was like, yeah, that, that, why, why you got to do that, man? Why, why, why'd you got to make me like the new drum beat more than the one we've actually put on the record? And he's like, oh, I just, you know, just vibed it. Just, just really enjoy it. So, so it's, it's great. Like, it's really, it's really fresh live. But like I said, like, my timing at the best of times is horrendous. I'm always missing beats. And when he changes the drum beat, I'm off, mate. I'm, I'm absolutely gone. Like, I'm just, yeah, there's no point in me even trying. <laughs> I mentioned it's it's more fun too though. Like I, I think of those bands like Memphis Mayfire, who are a great band, but they've obviously played the same songs for so long. They're they're just super tight, you know. It's like they've got a metronome or something, and they just they just know and they hit it perfectly every time. And I, I don't doubt that that's fun, but the idea of being able to be a bit more free when you're playing live and mixing it up, it's it's cool when you're in the audience too, and like a song's playing and you think you know it. And then you kind of don't because something's changed mm. and you're like, I'm singing or shouting, but there's like something odd going on here, you know? I mean, it doesn't help me because I'm in the band and I have no idea what song they're playing. Like, Because <laughs> Jack does it on guitar. He's like, he'll like add a different lead or change the harmony slightly on the guitar. And I'm, oh, I'm completely gone. I'm like, what are you playing? That's, oh, it's that song. Right. Okay. We're good. No, we're back in. But you know, it's like we we've always prided ourselves on like chaos live, like unadulterated chaos, and that will come from like extending bits out. Like you know, if we've got a build up for the breakdown, I'll I'll kind of give Seb the eye and be like, right, like let's lengthen it out and we'll get things going. Um, and you know, we'll be up and it'll it'll kind of be like right, when's the when's the time we need to drop it, and we'll just kind of go with it together and it's not practice stuff it's just like i'll kind of say you know before the song right lengthen this bit out give jack the nod and that's when we're going to drop in and there's a lot of like what <laughs> we call it like creepy eyes we'll yeah. give each other the uh maybe like now's the time um, now's the time we're gonna ruin people's lives <laughs> and like we're all five like if you ever watch us live like you'll see us going like yeah no, no we're gonna drop it now mate you <laughs> But no, there's an element of um, uh, 
the whole production side of things when you go and see a bigger band yes you expect the lights um and like the blackouts at the end of the song and then the lights come back up and uh, all the backing tracks and, and the extra sounds but i'm sure we you know if we ever get to that stage i want to do that for the wow factor but for as long as we can not use backing tracks we will not use them because i'll just have just a click in my ear and that's it most of the song like we'll walk onto a song for example um we rarely have something to walk off to but we might add that and we don't have um consistent um, sounds throughout every song because we want the element of yes we can add a couple of bars and if the crowd are going mental we'll just lengthen it out and we can because it's just a click it just goes on forever and that's that's what i enjoy too because you can change yeah you can change bits and you don't have to stick to the same structure I mean, you know, we wouldn't have had uh, a proposal on stage in Russia if uh, if we hadn't lengthened out the the last bit of the Wolf the Pack. So, did she say yes? No. <laughs> oh, true that's, story as well. That's gutting. Yeah, there there is a video. There is a video somewhere. Jacob's got it. Well, Jacob before he joined the band was our guitar tech, and our our like. TM, well, not TM, but like he was our lackey who did absolutely everything for us. Uh, like, yeah. Um, and he's like, he's such a great guitarist and a great vocalist, but he was doing the sound desk for us that night. And the, <laughs> I just remember this kid in the crowd being like, and I was like, oh, yeah. So I kind of leant in and he, he kind of took the microphone off me. And I, I was like, okay right where's where's this going and then he, he got up on stage and i was like right what's going on and then he pulled his like what we was this girl up and i was like oh it's okay this is interesting like well, i'm just gonna let this unfold here yeah. and he just got down on one knee and was like like I, I can't speak russian but and was like and we were like oh my god this is amazing and she went no and ran out of the room <laughs> crying and, and like from the video you can see dom go uh, just turn around and he start. he's like right and then looks at seven steps like, next song and i was like right let's go and then the kid just gets in the mosh pit again and just goes absolutely mental like, it was the weirdest thing i'd ever seen the whole time all of us were just <laughs> just looking at each other going how long is this going to take? Uh, this is the most awkward thing ever. Um, they were talking in Russian the whole time. So obviously we can see what's happening, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to top it off at the end of the night, right, this is a piece de resistance. All right. There's a couple of things to add. We played, we played in a, in an old Soviet Union propaganda cinema, which still had um, the hammer and sickle, like hung off the walls and like the Russian star. And then at the end of the show, a woman came up to me, handed me a silver bag and went, you are a beautiful man. You need Jesus. And then walked off. You kind of look like, like Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, and I opened the bag. Uh, there was a biscuit, a, a fridge magnet and a Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where are we? 
like like i love russia like we need to do this more often it just blew that was all in one night i don't even know how you would i mean you obviously keep playing you mentioned that but i yeah that, that would be such a weird moment like do we just you can't stop though right you get, sorry folks show's over that yeah. weird thing happened well i said to the guys the other day i was like i had to remind myself i was like did that actually happen and they were like yeah no it did and i was like because it seems like such a like a distant thing like like it seems like a story that just was completely made up yeah that's how bizarre it was so that was uh that was 2016 yeah and we did a few of our headline shows in amongst the Caliban tour. So yeah. we were playing, yeah, these weird venues. Like they had all the original cinema seats in. It was just so good. Crazy. And then we'd so go good. um go to a massive venue and play with Caliban. So that there was both both ends of spectrum on that tour. And that was that that was that's still all of our fav- most favourite today. Yeah. It was an incredible tour. I've never felt further away from home, but more welcome like more um, like never more welcomed into people's homes in my entire life uh none of us spoke the language our driver didn't speak english um so we were just like yeah let's just let's just have a good time (laughs) like using google translate yeah yeah. jacob got jacob got robbed by a prostitute um (laughs) and like wasn't even soliciting anything from her like just got robbed by her like 500 quid <laughs> never laughed i'd never laughed so much in my life but i felt so bad for him um yeah Didn't you realize so... the morning after as well yeah they, i think yeah oh so funny oh it's man funny. i can't wait until you can get back to it this is yeah, that's yeah. A, that like him getting—I mean—the whole proposal thing. Him getting robbed by a prostitute. I feel like we can't top that. It's like the perfect way to end this episode. Oh man, we have so many more stories. Like that. This doesn't even graze like, like scratch the surface. So we'll we'll have to do a part two when the absolutely um, the follow up EP or the next album comes out. Yeah, this has been awesome, guys. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out. All right, thank you so thank much for having us. It's been a, a real real joy. So that was Steve and Seb from Confessions of a Trader here on the More Than Punk podcast. We've got their brand new track coming up next, which is awesome. And also their new EP is out now. It came out earlier in the month. So make sure you jump on to your favorite streaming service and grab a copy of that EP. It's got some really great stuff on it. This is one of the tracks from that EP. And it's called Hostile Work Environment. I'll be back again next week with another local band called A Few Too Many. So make sure you check that one out. These guys are pretty cool. We get right into the depths of songwriting and we'll have a track from them to play as well. And then it's heading to Europe, basically, with a couple of interviews. uh, One with a fantastic band whose debut album, rather, comes out later this month they're called another now 
and also a fantastic interview with the guys in the Guru Guru. So make sure you, you hit that subscribe button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You know where you're listening to this podcast. You can figure it out and come back for those. They are fantastic. So this is Hostile Work Environment, Confessions of a Trader, More Than Punk Podcast. See you again next week. No, this isn't me. I'm not me. I can't. Weapons!